Welcome to the Wedding Guest Extraordinaire podcast with me, Sarah Southern. Join me each week as I talk everything weddings, taking you from engagement to honeymoon, making sure that you really do enjoy planning your big day. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Wedding Guest Extraordinaire podcast with me, Sarah Southern. Uh, This is going to be the last episode where I bleat on about my royal wedding comedy show on Saturday the 12th of May at the Bill Murray and Angel. I know I've mentioned it quite a few times in the last few weeks, but it's next Saturday. So if you want to come, get your tickets booked. You can purchase them on angelcomedy.co.uk. They cost £5. Kickoff is 4pm. At the Bill Murray in Angel, uh, comedians include myself, uh, the brilliant Sindhu V, the wonderful Harriet Kemsley, the lovely Rosie Wilby, and of course my favourite Ada Camp, the award-winning Ada Camp, as she won New Act of the Year very recently. So I do hope that you're going to get your tickets booked for that and come along, as it would be lovely to meet you all. But as for this episode, we're going to be talking about speeches. For the guest experience, speeches are a key part of the day, as you have to listen to a lot of them. So I thought it would be a good idea to get my dear friend Celia Delaney, who is herself a public speaker. She is a comic and a cabaret performer. She also is a professional MC, so she works with a lot of companies hosting conferences and award shows. And she's got some really good tips and techniques on how best to deliver a speech so I thought she'd be a great guest to have on so do take a listen and I hope that you get some really good advice for delivering your wedding speech. Hi Celia how are you? Very good thank you how are you my darling? Very good thank you for coming over. You're welcome. Um, so you are married, is that correct? <laughs> yes. I don't know why I asked that. Still. Correct, <laughs> I do know your husband. When, when did you get married? Well, I have survived for over seven years now. I got married in June 2010. Oh, right, nice. Yes. Coming up eight years, seven and a yeah. half, really. Yeah. And where did you get married? It was so beautiful. It was in, uh, looks like a castle, but it's really just a folly, a white, imagine a white turret in the middle of fields on a hill in Devon. It's very beautiful. It's called the Halden Belvedere. And when I first moved to Exeter, I was 30 and single, and I saw it through a gap in the trees, like Narnia. It was like that. (laughs) I saw it, and I loved it so much that I said to everyone that would listen, I'm going to get married there. And they said, oh, great, when are you getting married? So I don't know, I haven't met anyone yet, but I'm getting married there. It was such a fairy tale castle, I was determined. I love the fact that you threw what you wanted out into yeah. the universe. <laughs> and it, was, it came back to you. Yeah, it did. It took me two years from seeing it to then meet Dave, who is now still my husband, on the internet, though. Oh, did you? I didn't I know, know you met him on the internet. I know, there you go. We've known each other so long and I haven't told you this. Which site did you meet him on? Well, it was a very small site, which seemed to feature just men in the southwest, which is what I wanted, because I'd just moved from London and got disillusioned about meeting anyone in London. And it was called When the Music Stops, which Goodness. is hilariously cheesy, 
but it was a very sweet little site and it only had about 200 people on it. So if you compare that to something like Match.com, which has thousands of people who are... Millions, I think. Millions. Millions. Yeah, sorry. I have no idea because I don't have to take part in it anymore, thank God. This was in the days before Tinder, so I've never experienced... I've never even been on Tinder. But I hear so much about it in comedy clubs, I feel like I have been on it. Yeah, you've not missed out. You've not missed out. So you were going on a date with Dave and how long were you stepping out before the ring arrived on your finger? Uh, Far too long which I got very stroppy about but when I had my very first date with him I knew we would get married he did not think that but I did do you think that's because (laughs) you're you're quite I don't want to say forceful because that, it doesn't, that doesn't quite sum up you but I think you know what you want yeah therefore you'll be like Right, you tick all those boxes. I mean, yeah. that does remove the romance somewhat. But yes, <laughs> yes, you, you are the future Mr. Celia. Mr. <laughs> Delaney. Yeah. Yeah, so I did think that. Took him a lot longer, as it turns out, to come around. <laughs> Very annoying. And we didn't get engaged until we'd been together for two and a half years, which I was, by this point, teeth-gnashingly yeah. annoyed. But he did, in, he did propose to me in Paris Ooh. the day after my birthday, um, which was great. And he, he bottled getting the ring. He didn't buy a ring because he just wasn't sure what I would like. And his daughter, he has a daughter who's older. She was the one that put him on the internet. So she was all for this, him getting together with someone else. She said she knew she would, he would bottle it with the ring. So um, it was fine, though. I didn't mind. I was glad that he just asked. And before we'd gone on that weekend to Paris, my best friend, Kelly, had sidled up to him and said... I think you and I know, Dave, that if you come back and you're not engaged, we're not going to be friends anymore. (laughs) He got the message loud and clear. I quite like the fact that Dave didn't get the ring in advance, though, because I do think there's something a little bit odd about the way that people are proposed to, in that you kind of wait for it, as a woman, you Mm. wait for it to happen. And then for someone to present you with a piece of jewellery that you're then going to wear for the rest of your life that you have no input to... I just feel as though that all of your choices have been removed or certainly yeah. limited. So I quite like it. And I mean, obviously, if someone gave you a family heirloom, that's got a different connotation to it. But for someone to go and buy a brand new ring without any input from you, yeah. I, I mean, I've obviously quite a control freak. So if, some, <laughs> if somebody did that, I'd be like, what, no, what, you, what's, you've, what's just you've happened? totally misunderstood me. You've misjudged the situation. <laughs> it's a no. Because it's of a firm that. no. It's a firm <laughs> no. Look, this is it. You can see the ring. We went and chased this together. That is very nice. Can I take a photograph of it so I can put it? Put it on the Insta so everyone can see. But it's a gold band that has then got a line of diamonds Diamonds in. in Uh, I like that. Yeah, so it doesn't stand up. It's more like, yeah, they're embedded in the band. It's really lovely. And it was actually really nice to go and choose it together once we were back in Exeter. See, that's a nice adventurous day out. (laughs) Yeah, an expensive day out. Yeah, for him. Right, right. So you're engaged for how long after he asked? So then we're engaged for a year. So we got married at sort of three and a half years in. Okay, that's a good period of time. Yeah. Uh, So the big day comes. Mm -hmm. Where do you have the service? Well, we have a civil ceremony. Oh, do you do? So that's because that's all you can have at Halden Belvedere. And as we've established, I was going to get married there Mm -hmm. regardless. Also, quite handily, they could only fit 50 guests in. So anyone that we didn't like, we just said, sorry, it's too small. That was handy. We just kind of cut down. We had everyone that we really liked there, like just close family and friends of ours. It was so nice. And it was a really hot June day as well. The photos of me showing my nose is burnt by the end of the day. I was really lucky that it just all, the weather all went well. So we had the service there in that tower. They have a ballroom. 
and um, we had champagne and little strawberries, you know, like you do. You pull out all the stops on the day and photographs. And then we went somewhere else for the reception. We went into Exeter to the Exeter Golf and Country Club, darling. And we had a dinner, a sit-down dinner reception overlooking the 18th hole because <laughs> my husband was a keen golfer at the time. So I got where I wanted to be to be married and he got where he wanted for the reception. And only having 50 guests, was mm. that a challenge in terms of having to say, right, we can have these members of the family, but not those members of the family. These friends can come, but they can't bring partners. Like, did you have any difficult conversations in that regard? No, it was fine. We just decided to cut it off at the level of aunts and uncles. Mm. We just couldn't have them come at all. So that was a clean sweep. And I said to them, sorry about that. You know, you're all lovely people, but it's a no. And we don't have enough friends between us to be worried about the rest of it. That was just about the right size, you know, for us. We, we have got friends. I don't want to make out that we're antisocial, but we're the sort of people that have, I suppose, close friends, but not a massive set of acquaintances. So it worked out fine. But on the big, <laughs> on the big day, did you do a speech? No. I'm really surprised at that because the reason that I know you, Celia, is through comedy. And I know that your day job is public speaking. I know. So the fact that on your wedding day, you, I mean, did Dave do a speech? Yes. So the person in the relationship who doesn't strike as someone who <laughs> enjoys speak. public speaking did and you didn't. So what? why was that? So weird. I just, I don't know what I was thinking at the time, but I think this was my rationale was that I do that all the time as my day job and that I was going to have a day off, partly. I just thought, no. And I'm, I can be guilty of wanting to show off. And I thought, no, actually, I'll be a different persona on this day. I'll be the bride. Dave was obviously going to give a speech because he wanted to. And he was pretty terrible at it. That's kind of who he is. But he did cry through it, which was kind of impressive as well. So he got lots of points from everyone, which I was a bit grr, kind of, you know, <laughs> I, should have, I should have spoken. Uh, I, I don't regret not speaking. I think it was good not to have that hanging over me. That was one thing. What I regret is not singing. I wish I'd sung. You know, I'm a singer and I really wanted to sing a love song to Dave. And again, the reason that I didn't was I didn't want to be thinking about it all day. I want, didn't want to be nervous. And as it turned out, I got quite drunk quite early on. Didn't mean to, but my, my, my sister put a big glass of wine in my hand at about 6pm when we arrived at the golf club and I just drank it down like it was water and unfortunately then was very pleasantly drunk for the rest of the reception. So I'm quite glad in a way because that happened. But I've always regretted that. I've always wished I'd sung at my own wedding. Well, I think that you are going to regret things on your wedding day. It's mm. best to kind of regret it more love rather than regret, <laughs> oh, I wish I hadn't said that or oh, I wish I'd not worn that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I say I'm surprised that you didn't perform. I know. Uh, but it is, I mean, the traditional speeches obviously are father of the bride, groom, best man. I get very disappointed if I go to a wedding and I don't hear from the bride and the chief bridesmaid. I think it's mm. a bit odd to just have male voices mm. at a wedding. Have you been to many weddings recently where it has just been male voices or have you mm -hmm. heard the bride speak as well? Well, at mine, we didn't have a best man speech. We did have a top woman speech. So I did have a female 
friend speak as the main speech. Oh, that's um, good. Because my dad didn't give a speech because he didn't want to either. I don't have a problem with the father of the bride not giving a speech because it can be a family friend or another relative within mm. that. Because I know that some fathers find it bizarre to stand up and kind of brag about their daughter. Mm. They're like, well, I know mm. she's brilliant. I don't need to tell everyone else that she mm. is. Mm. So I can understand why sometimes that speech is done by somebody else. But I, you know, even looking, like, if you are to Google uh, why, sorry, that what should happen in these speeches, in what would be the father of the bride's speech, they're supposed to thank the guests, thank the hosts, praise the bride, and then mm. toast the bride and groom. The groom is then supposed to respond by thanking the father of the bride, thank the guests, and thank them for their gifts before thanking both sets of parents. He then compliments the bride... <laughs> He then thanks the best men and finally toasts the bridesmaids. Mm. And then the best man stands up and he is effectively responding on behalf of the bridesmaids. So the first thing that he's meant to do is to thank the groom <laughs> for his toast to the bridesmaids. Like, just, Slightly torturous. It's so awful. He then has to comment on the bridal couple. He then has to do the most boring bit of any like anybody out there who's thinking of doing this, unless it's someone really special. Please don't because it's so boring read messages from people who can't be there oh yeah yeah that they're reading out the cards just so tedious <laughs> and then he proposes a toast to the bride and groom so there's this kind of like what it should be yeah and i can understand that it's you know centuries old of tradition but there's just part of me that just cringes so much when the best man stands up and does this kind of thanks on behalf yeah. of the bridesmaids and you're sitting there as a bridesmaid thinking Hang on a sec, love. Yeah. You have done nothing. <laughs> you have done nothing to make this happen. Like, we, sitting here in our yeah. lovely dresses, have done everything to make this wedding yeah. happen. And we've stood in heels all day, yeah. sunshine. And, yeah. you know, don't hear us being thanked for that. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, it's important to have those checklists because otherwise somebody gets forgotten and then is gutted for 10 years that they haven't been thanked. But it's rather like the Oscars, isn't it, where it's boring that everyone gets <laughs> up and says, I'll thank my director and thank my mother. And you think, I want someone to come along and say something original. And when they do at award ceremonies, that's what makes it good. So my husband combined those duties into his speech. He thanked all the relevant people because my dad wasn't going to speak. So he did that really well. And he was actually quite glad of those checklists because they filled up some of his time. <laughs> so he didn't have to create so much material. But then my friend Liz who got up and spoke for me she did a proper speech as it were she didn't have to do any of that thanking stuff and she decided to use a metaphor which was really sweet about a marriage being a bit like a baby and how we needed to nurture it and bring it up unfortunately she doesn't realize that you know several years later I do comedy material on how my children have died from neglect <laughs> you know but I got her point you know she was being very earnest about it but it was very sweet and she handed over to us like a little gift where she'd made a card for us. And it was really good. And, and I was passionate about having female voices on the day, like you are. And then I went to my best friend Kelly's wedding only a few months later in the November of the same year. She's always been a bit of a copycat, so she had to get married <laughs> straight away. And I was one of the people giving the main speech. And then her husband had a man give a speech as well. So I had the opportunity to find out what it was like to speak at someone's wedding. That's the only time I've ever done it. And I was nervous. I was surprised how nervous I was, given that I do it for a living. But it was okay. I did well. Did you get emotional? No, I was, I was all right. I was on top of it. But I think it is a really difficult line to tread 
what are you going to say and and for how long? Nobody gives you a time limit. You have to decide that for yourself. (laughs) I gave a speech at Laura and Ben's wedding when I was their chief bridesmaid. And I'd been so integral in organising their wedding that we kept calling it our wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And I kept like, oh, well, when we get married, you know, I was so Mm. like involved in it. And I gave a speech and I I knew it off by heart, but I still had it on my cue cards and I'd been practicing at home where I'd been recording myself on my computer and like watching it back and like making notes as to how Mm. I, you know, I took it really quite seriously. And on the day I got about three quarters of the way through it and I could feel myself about to go, I was about to just burst into tears Mm. and the whole room just went, come on! do it like they were all like so behind me and I think that's what's really lovely about when you do give a speech Mm. at a wedding everybody in the room wants you to do really well yeah I've been at a a wedding before where the father of the bride was so proud of his daughter that he wanted to talk through every achievement she's ever (laughs) done in her life and it went on so long and truthfully it wasn't that interesting (laughs) but I was sat there on the edge of my chair applauding literally every sentence and kind of umming and ahhing and doing all the things that we should. I could see other people looking at each other being like, oh my word, make this misery end. And I just kept thinking to myself, this man has paid for our lunch today. Like he, this is his one chance that he's going to have to really tell people how much he loves his daughter and how proud he is. I'm going to let him have his 25 minutes of effectively a PowerPoint of every single achievement she's ever had, (laughs) even though it's dreadful, because that's his his one chance in life to do it. And I just thought it was quite sweet, but it it wasn't that great. I mean, have you been to any weddings where the speeches have just been dire? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there is a legendary one in my family where... Uh, my mum is from Glasgow, and uh, and my uncle Bob, who is her brother-in-law, he's passed away now. Uh, but he had four daughters, all Scottish, obviously, all Glaswegian, and only one of the daughters married an English guy. And he was of that Scottish stock that isn't that keen on the English. And I think after a few whiskies, you know, he was a bit too vocal about that, let's say, in the Father of the Bride speech. And he was talking about the English and forgetting that a good half the room, including you know, quite a lot of his family like us, were from England. So it was a, I don't think he made friends and influenced people on that speech. Uh, you know, and I think he knew it himself as well. He'd uh, probably gone a bit far. So, you know, he took that to his grave, that, that reputation. Well, I don't want to throw this best man under the bus, as it were, but a wedding that was quite close to me, the best man at that just talked about the stag do. And it was just embarrassing because obviously most of the guests, bar 10 people, Mm. hadn't been on the stag do, so therefore they had zero interest in it. Mm. But the stories he was telling weren't appropriate, nor were they actually that funny, nor were they that interesting. And you were just kind of seeing people look at each other going, oh my word, make it end. Please make it end because it's so cringe yeah and I, I i do hope that people put more effort in to planning their speeches and thinking about who their audience is and actually don't say things that are going to humiliate the bride and groom yeah exactly what goes on tour stays on tour and Absolutely. i think that has to be true of the stag and hen do let's totally not let, shall not be mentioned and there's often children there 
and older people. So it's an unusual audience where there's all these ages in one room. I think you've got to be really careful to make your content family friendly just as a starting point. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I've also seen people do off the cuff speeches where, like you, speaking is their day job. Mm. Therefore, they're like, oh, this will be an easy crowd. <laughs> I'm just going to stand up. And about two mm. minutes in, they've thought, actually, I maybe should have yeah. put a little bit of bit of plan. Yeah, <laughs> I would definitely recommend writing the speech. And as you did, and as I did as well for Kelly, taking your notes up with you is absolutely fine. You don't have to memorise it. I think people put too much pressure on themselves to memorise it. Just take a few, a few cards up with you and you'll be just fine. And I think if it leads up to something, like Liz did for me and I did for Kelly, I handed over a gift at the end of the speech, which the speech was leading towards... That gives you a feeling of security as well. You know you're going somewhere with this and you know how it ends. And that then brings everything together that you said. And it just is something for you to cling on to. So if you were to give advice to brides, grooms, best men, chief bridesmaids who are currently planning their speeches, how would you suggest that they start going about putting their speech together? Well, first of all, do that checking on the internet or in a book about the things that you are meant to do. You know, we said they can get a bit tedious, the list of people you have to thank, but check that out first, because if you leave out anti-flow and you were meant to have said something, nobody will forgive you for years to come. So it's not worth getting that wrong. So get the things in that have to be in, first of all. Second, again, have a look on the internet for plenty of advice on wedding speeches. I don't coach people on wedding speeches, by the way. I work with executives and I do corporate stuff. But the principles are the same. So you can look online and there might be things of mine that help, tips that I've done before. So get advice. You know, don't think that you can do it all by yourself and don't reinvent the wheel. Funnily enough, lots of other people have done it before you. So they've, they've put tips online. Then I would try and choose some sort of theme you know, a, a central message to the speech. So I'd, I talked at Kelly's about the nature of marriage, what it's like, what men and women are like and how they're different. And I knew that I was heading towards this final punchline where I said, and Kelly can be quite stubborn. So my advice to you, Kelly, is always let Greg win. And they just, this was a roar of laughter because they knew that she's quite feisty and she doesn't like to give in. And then Greg, I was like Greg's best friend forever because I'd sided with him, you know. So I knew where the speech was going and it, I kept to a general theme. And then that was much easier to then think of points or little stories within that. And then if you want a bit more flesh on the bones because you feel it's a bit thin, interview people. You know, phone up the guests and the friends and ask them for funny stories and think back of any stories of your own. And then that is the thing that will flesh it out for you. You'll have enough material by then. I think the important thing is don't feel that you've got to write jokes. Just be fun. You don't have to be funny. You know, people will laugh anyway because they'll be encouraging and generous. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it'll be the kindest audience that you ever perform to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if only every audience could be <laughs> yeah, like that. It's not like our comedy no, club no, no, experiences, no. is it? Uh, but I think what is very nice is that everybody will have a story about their friend that is funny, mm. whether it be the holiday that you went on, something that they did at school, something they did at university, something they've done at work. There will be an experience that you've done together. Mm. And if told in the right way, 
people will come along on that journey with you mm. and they will be like, oh gosh, aren't they silly? Or, oh, what a, one, like, what a gorgeous story. Yeah. I think especially if it in, then involves the bride and the groom, mm. you know, about how they met, especially yeah. you know, if you've been involved in how they met. And I think you're absolutely right. Don't be frightened to ask other people mm. about what they did. When I was planning Laura's speech, I, the kind of the premise that I have is I took people on a journey of her life. Mm. So because there was a group of us who'd been friends with us from school, then there were some people from uh, university, then there was a chunk of people who she'd worked on magazines at, I basically kind of told something that looped everybody in. Mm. So it was this kind of nice arc of her life mm. that everyone in the room felt as though they had a part of. Yeah. Therefore, it was quite easy to kind of get in touch with people and be like, oh, what, what did she get up to when she was at university in Manchester? I think yeah. I know the best story, but can you let me know a bit yeah. more? And also, don't be frightened, I think, to speak to their parents, because there will be something that you do not, even if it is your absolute best friend. Like when I was doing Laura's, I spoke to her mum, and I hope, like, Laura is my best friend. I've known her since I was 16. We're effectively sisters. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> And I spoke to her mum and she went, oh, well, she did do that uh, volunteer project in Romania. And I was like, what? <laughs> when, did, when did she do that? And she went, well, when she was at university. And I was like, I have no knowledge of this. I have no mm. memory of it. And it was, you know, that it was an inclusion. And everyone in the room looked at each other and was like, when did she do that? But she did do mm. it. Fact. Mm. Uh, but I think it's nice to include things that people are surprised by and, you know, bring that richness of yeah. people's lives because it is perhaps the only day other than your funeral yeah. when someone will stand up and talk through the brilliant things that you've done in your life yeah therefore let them it is true and you don't know i mean you didn't know i met my husband on the internet no i did not so there's those are fascinating things and i think we should use a wedding to focus in on somebody's life it's a lovely thing to do isn't it it's a celebration of their life so far and how is their life intersected with this other person's life that they're now getting together with? And as you say, I think it's very clever to take in the groups in the room. I've seen good weddings where people have spoken and there's been scuba divers or a ton of people that like mopeds. And I think especially if they're in little gowns like that, it's really important to make sure they get a mention. You know, it's, it's a bit of a shame if you miss them out. And that's a guaranteed way of people giving a cheer or loving the speech, is you just basically point at them and mention them. It's a very easy cheat, isn't it? It's a very easy <laughs> cheat. Now, obviously, you do public speaking for your career. Yeah. You're a very confident performer. <laughs> Not everybody is. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to someone who perhaps is feeling a little bit anxious or nervous about standing up? They're not used to speaking in public. What tips can they take away that will boost them? Yeah. to speak well the first and most important thing is on this day in particular on a wedding it's really not about you so the feelings of nerves come from too much self-consciousness and what we need to develop is a sense of other consciousness so think about the bride and the groom and this being a gift for them and a gift for the audience that you are giving you would never give someone a present and be like, oh, I'm so nervous giving you this present. I'm so nervous that actually I've decided not to give it to you. No, you would just be, I'm delighted to give you this present. Here it is. It's for you. So the best thing is to think about speaking as a gift. Get out of your own way. It's not about you. That's a selfish point of view. And I often tell people, if you feel like everyone is staring at you, which is often one of the problems, we, we fear social rejection. We don't like everyone looking at us. Try and think of it this way. You think that you're staring at me, but as a speaker, I think I am staring at you. 
So turn the spotlight from it shining on yourself to it shining on them. Concentrate on the audience, concentrate on the bride and groom, both when you're writing the speech and when you're giving it. And get away from thinking about yourself. It's not about you. Nobody cares. <laughs> you know, they only care about the message. So you're a messenger. That's all. That's the most important thing. I deal with a lot of people who have a real fear of public speaking. And they're surprised how long I spend with them on the mental aspect of it. The attitude to it. Because I know that's the most important thing. After that come all the tips and tricks. So... Another quick tip you can do is to just chew just before you're going to go on to speak, then just chew because it releases saliva into the mouth because a lot of people get dry mouth, don't they, when they're nervous, you know, and they, then they take a swig of wine and that doesn't help matters at all. So chew. And the also reason we chew is that it tells the brain that there's no threat out there because it's the opposite of fight and flight. Wikipedia defines the opposite of fight and flight as feed and breed. Feed and breed. I Literally like my favourite fact ever. <laughs> feed and breed. We should all live breed by Feed and breed. So, you know, I was thinking that it's better to simulate chewing than something else. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a wedding. what I advise. It is a wedding. It's a wedding. Keep it clean. It's family friendly. So just chew. That's really good to do before you get up. So that's, that's a, a change in attitude and a change in what you might do physically. And I guess my other piece of advice is try to stay fairly sober. It's really difficult to do because there's a lot of alcohol right probably from the afternoon. But when you are drinking, it's very difficult with memory. I know hopefully you'll have your notes with you, but it can mean that you go blank. So try to stay as fairly sober as you can up until you've done your speech. And then when you've done your speech, go for your life. <laughs> and would you have any tips in terms of where they should physically stand? To, you know... I, I always find that if I'm a bit nervous, I stand behind a table. Mm. Or if I'm at something where there isn't a table, I go and stand behind my chair. Mm. And I know it's just like a, a slight protection thing. Yeah. Uh, I think, obviously, at a wedding, you probably are going to be stood behind a top table. But are there any other physical things? And also, how should they hold their microphone? Oh, well, they have a microphone, do you think? More often than not, they do now. Yeah. yeah. You've gone to more weddings than I have, I think. <laughs> well, I'm at that age. That's why I'm where... a wedding guest extraordinaire. <laughs> exactly. I'm at that age where I've run out of weddings and I'm just waiting for I divorces, yeah. you know, for the second <laughs> coming. Uh, I, lo I love weddings, but yeah, I don't get too many now. Yeah, so if you, have, if you have a microphone in your hand, is that most people have a handheld microphone? Yeah. Then it's good to have it at 45 degrees and to be speaking over the top of it. I do have a video on YouTube on this. I have a microphone masterclass on YouTube if you'd like to see okay, it. Okay, well, we'll link to that in the in the show notes and yeah. then people can watch that um, and see. Yeah. Um, but I, I do know that I've noticed a lot of people, they'll speak into the microphone and then their hand will relax and their wrist will relax and then they will drop and they may as well be holding a twig. <laughs> yeah, it's not working. Or they'll gesture with the hand that the microphone's in yeah. and then it's coming and going, which is very funny. But don't cover up your mouth with the microphone either, because it's surprising how much people lip read without knowing that they do, even though they can hear. So that's a bit of microphone stuff. And in terms of where you stand, you probably will be behind a table, as you say. But yeah, behind a chair is a bit too much of a barrier. It's If you can see the space beforehand and check it out, that's the best thing, because then you can see where the sight lines are, as those of us who have done the acting would know. You know, you look around the room. Ideally, you want everyone to be able to see you. They switch off a bit if they can't see you, don't they? They want to be able to see your face. So try to just stand somewhere where you can be seen 
And don't be afraid to turn around as you're doing it, you know, look around. We've talked about this, haven't we, in comedy, how comics who are at the beginning, they don't quite know where to look or who to look at. Well, when you're doing a wedding speech, try to look at everybody at some point. You know, that's the ideal. And have your notes in your hand. But when you're speaking, as much as you can, talk to humans rather than talking to the tablecloth or the ceiling. On the notes... I've seen a lot of people recently where they've got them printed out on A4 in a font 10 or 12. The advice I would personally give is put it double-spaced yeah. in a font 18 mm. and only print on one side of the paper. Yeah. Because yeah. a number of the pages. Yeah, because you drop them. You don't you know what will, number they're You in. will drop them. And also, have a chat with the venue beforehand. Have they got a lectern that can be put on the table? Mm. Some um, wedding venues do do this, yeah. where it's a very small lectern that can be put on there. You can then prop your speech, and then you can turn it easily. Because it is a bit difficult. If you're mm. holding a microphone, you're trying to turn the pages, see what you can what you can do. You know, yeah. you have got this speech. Try and minimise how difficult it is going to be by just having a few little chats with the venue earlier in the day. Yeah. And you'll find that they will have dealt with this before. They probably have got a solution and they'll want to help you. They want yeah. you to do well because they want the day to be brilliant so that other guests then come back and book their wedding there. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes paper can flap about a bit if you're nervous. So I recommend oversized postcards. Yes, I agree uh, they're with that. They're A5 postcards. You can buy them from Vistaprint and places like that online. They're really cheap. You can have a nice image on the other side if you want. I have them with a big microphone image. And I use them for hosting award ceremonies because they're nice and big. Like you say, I can look down. I can still have had a glass of wine and be able to read. And just stick your notes on those postcards. And, you know, Liz, who spoke at my wedding, did a lovely thing for me. She did that with her speech and then she paper clipped them and she gave them to me as a gift. So now I've still got forever the speech that she wrote for our wedding. Oh, oh that, is, so nice. that is really lovely. Mm. That is really lovely. Why didn't I think of doing that? <laughs> oh, wedding guest extraordinaire. I know. It. Damn, I, have, I do have a copy of it, so maybe <laughs> I'll give it to her as a, a wedding present. Uh, well, that's been brilliant. Thank you so much. I, I know that everybody will really appreciate all those tips and advice, and I do hope that everyone gives a really good speech at their wedding. But thank you very much, Celia. Thank you so much. So there we have it. That is Celia's wedding and Celia's tips and advice on giving speeches. I really enjoyed listening to her talk about her wedding and how she already knew what venue that she wanted to have and how to be so brutal in keeping the guest list to 50. I thought that was really great. But I did enjoy the tips and advice that she's given on giving speeches Giving a speech at a wedding should be a gift, and I love the fact that she described it as that. But be prepared. Have your notes. Write the speech. Practice it. Get stories from other people that you don't know um, to add a bit more colour to the, the speech about your friend. Um, and yeah, have the right attitude. Be confident. It's going to be a great room. Everyone wants you to do well. Everyone wants to be entertained. You're unlikely to have hecklers, so it should be good. But I will link to Celia's uh, microphone masterclass on YouTube. I hope that is helpful. Um, and yeah, stay sober during the speech. No one likes a drunkard. Celia will be taking her Edinburgh show up to 
the Edinburgh Festival in August. Uh, I will put a link to the show details in the show notes and indeed on the website. So you can go check out Celia's show up there. That will be a really great show to see. Um, and that leads me on nicely to remind you that tickets are still available for the Royal Wedding Comedy Extravaganza that I am hosting on Saturday, the 12th of May. That is the Saturday before the Royal Wedding. Kickoff is 4 pm. Tickets are 5 pounds. It's at the Bill Murray in Angel. Tickets can be bought at angelcomedy.co.uk. I'm really looking forward to meeting a number of you at that. So get your tickets booked. Uh, do follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's Wedding Guest Pod. Do rate, review, and subscribe via whichever app you are listening to us. Apparently, it helps other people find us. Do visit the WeddingGuestExtraordinaire.com website. Um, I often add a little bit more info and some tips on planning your day after I've spoken to a guest. Uh, and do tune in next week. I'm Sarah Southern, your Wedding Guest Extraordinaire. Do take care. <laughs>